the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We're learning about character today. God produced character. That's next on today's broadcast of Truth For Today as we continue our series, Meet Your God. And again, welcome. This is Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules takes us back to God's Word as we focus in on our series, Meet Your God. Now, there's a subseries within that series called Meet the Holy Spirit. And within that subseries is another one which we find ourselves in the middle of right now. It's simply entitled Marks of a Spirit-Filled Church. So what does a Spirit-Filled Church look like? What does a church look like when the Holy Spirit is in control? That's the question we're answering. Here's Pastor Phil Howard and today's broadcast of Truth For Today. 1 Corinthians 8 through 10. Ah, he wasn't forbidding their eating and drinking. He was forbidding them stumbling the brother. If that restrains what you eat and drink, fine. It may involve a lot more than what you eat or drink. But Paul had no qualms about what they ate or drank because he was not consumed with basic foolish kinds of things. He said, if I can get people under the spirit, I don't have to worry about telling them what to eat and drink. And the church wastes all this time. Do you drink? Don't you drink? What do you drink? Why don't you just mind your own business? Spirit of God can help them figure it out. He helped get them out of sin. He can figure out what we can eat and drink. You can't believe how much ink has been spilt and judging of one another because we like to put people under our law list. Because if it's not Moses, it's us making law. And many churches are as miserable because you can't live under law without being a lawbreaker because you can't keep the law. The law is good. The law of Moses was wonderful. But notice its effect on sinners. Watch this, verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. Let me give you an example. Is a parent's curfew sin? Why, no. It just brings out the fact they've got sinners for kids because they get mad as a hornet. Law, any kind, any boundaries. So that's why you want to make as few as you can, even raising kids. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, Produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from law, sin is dead. That is, it's not aroused. Sin exists, but it brings it alive in a person. It, it, it's just brought to the surface. It's just like brought from the death and brought into action. The law. Once I was alive apart from the law. I take this to be in Paul's younger days before the full impact of the law hitting But when the commandment came, sin sprang to life, and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. 
For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. But in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me through what was good, so that through the commandment sin might become utterly sinful. Under law, all it did is expose sin, stir up sin. It never could restrain sin. If you're a law Christian today, you're totally in conflict with the Word of God, and you're a defeated, frustrated person. And if you say you're living the law, you're a hypocrite. No man has ever kept it but one. And he was the God-man. Not even Moses kept it totally. He sinned enough to be kept out of the land. Nobody's done it. You can't get to heaven by law works. You can't get to heaven on your list or God's list. The law tells you God's righteous expectations. But what is revealed is our inability to measure up to the righteousness he commanded but did not enable us to have under the law. Now, we're going to meet a frustrated man Maybe the argument is, who is the man in 714 on? Is he unsaved? Is he a a Jew under the law in the old dispensation? I think he's any man, saved or unsaved, trying to please God by law works. Doesn't matter who you are. I don't care if it was the Pharisee Paul. Some believe this is his biography. He's in the present tense. He went through this experience. Or if it's you. That you're living the Christian life without the Spirit's power. You've got about ten little rules, and if you keep those, you think you're in good condition. You can't even keep the rules. Not really. It's like the Pharisees that kept adding tradition and rules on top of the commands until it got so thick, everybody lost the expectations of God. Listen to this man. It describes some believers I know. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do not, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. You would think somebody wrote this in a J-Ward. This guy's mixed up. This is schizophrenia plus. Huh? I got to read it slow enough so I don't get it mixed up. I want to, but I don't. I don't, but I do. What's going on? I mean, this guy, what are you today? I don't know. What are you going to do today? Well, I don't want to name it. I'll just name the opposite because then I'll wind up doing the other. So I head for this and I wind up there. I don't know what I'm doing. I am torn between 
What's your problem? I'm living with these divine expectations. But I find three laws working in me. I have the law of my mind that's free enough to know the expectations. But I see the law of Moses is there, and I want to do it. But I find a law in my members that that law rises up, and it takes the commandments, and it just throws them to the ground. And inside my ego, the personality, I'm seeing this conflict. I'm being led astray. I'm headed here, and I'm drugged into captivity. And, And my mind's free. I'm watching. I can tell you about it. I'm not stupid. I know I want to do this. Boom, I'm drug over here. What? Why are you doing that? I want to be a kind husband. And I'm going toward it. But she did it again. So you blame something. And boom, you're right back over here in a hostile, angry frame of mind. Says, I don't want to be hostile. Why are you? I don't know. Don't ask me why I'm angry. I'm angry. Okay. Are you saved? Oh, don't ever ask if I'm saved. I know I'm saved. Oh, okay. Why are you acting that way? I'm defeated. That's why. This is not the Christian life. This is slavery. The sin principle is running my life. I don't have the power. I can't say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have to say, I can't do a thing. I want to do good, but I know I'm going to do the evil. I don't want to do the evil, and I do it. I'm mixed up. I, I see three laws. My mind, I want to serve the law of God. I really like to please him. I see the law of God. It's righteous and good, and I love to do everything he righteously commands. But there's something loose in me. Look what he says. So I find in verse 21 this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. By the way, the evil isn't another person. It's in you. So stop blaming your family, your circumstances, and don't go, a, don't go to a counselor that tells you to find out what kind of person your grandma was. The evil is in you. You took it into the office. It's not granny's genes. It's your attitude. The evil is with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. Now listen to him. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? He thanks God that God's going to rescue him through Jesus Christ. But how he does it is not explained here. You've got to go to chapter 8. He says, I want you to know two things. With my mind, I serve God's law, but sin always wins. Have you ever had a week like that, that sin always won? Have you ever had a day like that? How many, have you ever had a month where all I did, the only good thing I did all month is I wanted to do good, but I never did any of the things that I, I wanted to do? I want a good marriage, but I got a miserable one. I want an effective Christian life. I want to know that I'm right with God, but 
in all honesty, I'm miserable. I know many of you are because I pastor you. And I'm not here to beat you up, but I'm here to tell you there's good news in the gospel. Paul's, Paul's cry for help is the cry of every one of us. We've all experienced this at one time or another. That I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm in the grip of temptation. I'm on the way to a divorce. I'm, I'm get, falling in love with a woman I shouldn't be falling in love with. I'm coveting to steal something that I, I wanted under my tree. And I know that I'm trying to figure out how to get it. Uh, I'm learning to hate somebody. I'm learning to be factious, dissentious, envious, jealous. I don't want to. I don't want to. But I'm just drug off like a slave. I don't have any power not to. So I'm, I'm captive. I'm bound. And I'm saying, I'm saved and miserable. That's true. I'm saved and defeated. I'm saved and sin. Anytime it barks at me, I do what it says. But I've been united with Christ. I've been joined to him to be a servant of righteousness and no longer a servant to sin or to the law. What is God's form of deliverance? How in the present tense do I get out of this dilemma? I'm crying for help. And all I can tell you is there's two principles at work. And the law is there, but I can't do it. Sin is the winner at the end of chapter 7. But this book didn't have chapter divisions. He just kept on going. He's saying, come on now. Paul didn't break it. You you read, do you read your Bible in the morning? You read a chapter and you get the end of 7. Well, good. God read my devotions. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You're in the middle. You're in the middle. You don't want to stay there, wretched man. Listen to the answer. Listen. Therefore, why is there therefore there? There's more to be said. He hasn't finished the argument. Terrible chapter division, you translators. <laughs> therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Is this man living with condemnation at the end of seven? You better believe it. What, what's your remedy to condemnation? I landed in Christ, and in Christ there are no penalties from God against me. I'm not living with any expectation of judgment for failed expectations. I am not under law. I am under grace. And that means I'm under the unmerited favor of God by which I respond with gratitude. Don't put me under law. Don't put me under condemnation for I'm in Jesus. That's your Christmas gift this year to be in a place of no condemnation. Now watch this. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, ooh, there's the fourth law, fourth law, the law of my mind, the law of Moses, and the law of sin, and now he introduces the law of the Spirit. Listen, because through Christ, who sent the Spirit, the law of the Spirit of life left me in the slavery of sin. What does your say? Set me free from the law of sin and death, the sin principle. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. So he condemned sin in sinful man. So one side, he paid for all the penalty of my law breaking. 
through the death of his son. But I need more than my sins paid for. I need power over sin. I don't just need my sins paid for. There is more than just confession of sin. There's power over sin. Some of you don't believe it. Most Christians don't. You, I hear this all the time. Well, we sin every day, don't we? Why? Where did you see that in the Bible? Well, I do every day. Well, you're, you're, not, you're not the Bible. There's no place in the Bible that says you've got to sin every day. Now, don't come up and ask me if I'm sinless. Ask my wife. and She's not here. Yes. <laughs> don't have to be sinless to sin less. I don't have to be sinless to sin less. The acts of sin are to be done away with in the believer. You put off your former way of life. You put off your former speech. Well, I just always cuss. Cut it out. It's sin. God doesn't allow his kids to get away with much of it. Once in a while, the preacher uses a selected word that has emphasis. He cleans up the mouth. He cleans up the morals. He cleans you up about money. He cleans you up about women. I'm telling you, the gospel that transformed New Testament people is the same gospel that changes us. Don't you bring it down because you're not changed to make that the norm. Maybe you're selling for something that's not gospel. The gospel not only forgives me, in the gospel is the power to deliver me from present tense sin. That's what he's saying. Now, notice what he says. The law of the Spirit set me free from the law of sin and death in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Now, uh, something about can steel, can steel fly? Answer, can it? What do we make planes out of? Can people fly? I sure can when I buy a plane ticket. I fly. How is that possible? The law of thermodynamics is greater than the law of gravity. And you put enough jet fuel and enough jet engines. I mean, I've been on trips to uh, Europe and those places. You you ought to go to the Philippines. Any Filipinos here, you ought to see the way they pack. I waited in Manila for three hours to get my measly little bag. They got these boxes. I mean, it's just cargo on and on. I waited three hours at the turntable. I thought people were in those boxes. (laughs) I mean, these Filipinos, they get the mileage out of the baggage. You ought to see them. It is amazing. Three hours later. Yeah, how did this plane carry all this stuff? Thermodynamics. And he's saying to the believer, God has inserted a power in his people greater than the power of sin, greater than the power of the law, greater than any other power. It's the power he used to raise Christ from the dead. And Paul prays for the Ephesians, I wish you knew that the power that raised Christ from the dead is the power God's made available to his church. If you don't believe it, read Ephesians 1. So a believer says, well, I'm addicted here. I can't quit this. No, you can't, but the Spirit can. Who's in control, you or the Spirit? 
But you don't know how I lived. I don't need to know how you lived. I've read the New Testament. Have you read how those people lived? They lived as bad as anybody in Contra Costa County. And God set them free. But they're homosexuals. So what? Bring them on. We got a gospel we're not afraid of homosexuals. We got a gospel that saves them. You know, we don't want to be a white, elite, churchy, stuffy church. Just bring clean folks. Bring anybody that needs a savior to this church. The gospel we preach can save them. I'm telling you, it could save them. I'm not going to be intimidated. Demon possessed? Hey, folks, we're not afraid of that either. We have a power greater in us than any power unleashed. It's in us. And I serve one that's got all authority. When he speaks, it happens. Demons flee at his name. We are not to be the intimidated. We are to be the empowered. But if your greatest battle is whipping your addiction to chewing gum, it's kind of hard to get to demons. You've got to get over the Twinkie stuff and start growing and growing up and getting rid of your magazines. If they're naked women, burn them up and trust the Spirit. He'll clean us up that he may use us, that he may take us up. This is the gospel that churchmen need to hear because we're not living in the power of the Spirit, many. Defeat has become a way of life. Listen to how he describes, how he describes the, the unsaved and the saved. One lives after the flesh, the other live after the spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. That those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are still being controlled by the sin nature. Is that true? The Bereans would start shouting in the hall. It says, you misread the word of God. That's what I'm wanting you to do. When I misread it, just yell. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Your body is no longer available to sin. We're still living in a body, but back in Romans 6, 6, it died with Christ. It's no longer available for the assignment to sin. It's only alive to do God's will. It's dead to sin. He's already touched it. Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Most commentators says he's going to resurrect their body. No, no, no. He'll deal with that in 1 Corinthians 15. He's saying the spirit in you that raised Christ from the dead will quicken you while you're in your mortal body to give you the power and the enlivenment to do the will of God now in a mortal body. I have not died. I'm in a mortal body. I'm subject to death. But I've got the spirit dwelling in me that raised Christ from the dead. And he says, he'll quicken you while you're living the Christian life in this body. And you're listening to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. 
the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we close out our broadcast today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the program encourages you in Christ and how this program is being used by you on a daily basis. Are we just a normal part of your radio listening? Do you tap into our resources available at our website? Have you visited our church? These are things we would love to hear from you. Take a moment, call or write to us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. You're also welcome to visit our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Take advantage of the resource materials I mentioned a moment ago. We have several. Again, truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also find information about Valley Bible Church right there as well, who we are, what we believe, worship times, services, and directions to the church. We'd love to have you join us, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Again, that's truthfortodayradio.org. If you're writing to us, our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And then as we conclude our time together today, we would also invite you to partner with us. This radio broadcast and the many resources that accompany it are available as you partner with us, as you link arms with us financially and prayerfully. No gift is too small, no gift is too large, and you can do a one-time gift or make monthly pledges. No matter, we'd love to have you be a partner with us as we continue to minister the gospel of Christ to the Bay Area and beyond. So contact us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. And you can also donate online at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today. Truth For Today.